Hi, this is Erica Mendez. I am the voice of Ryuko and Kill Kill, Gonan Hunter Hunter, Bernadetta in Fire Emblem Three Houses, Ayaka in Genshin Impact, and much, much more. And you are watching Points of Experience. On today's episode, as you've just seen, heard, saw, were privy to, you were enlightened by, you had your curiosity sparked by, we have Erica Mendez on the podcast from titles like Fire Emblem, Three Houses, My Hero Academia, Kill a Kill, Genshin Impact, Hunter Hunter, some of, uh, Seven Deadly Sins, I mean, some of the stuff, which is, some of the stuff, some of the titles, which are my all-time favorites, and the fact that I get to sit and talk with these people is one of the most rewarding things I think about having been in this industry is talking with people, as I think a lot of fans feel like when they get to meet some of their favorite voice actors. For me, I still have that same feeling. Talking with these people that care so much about what they do and they put their heart and soul into and, and they're just extremely talented. Erica is kind of at the top of the list for me of people who check all those boxes off and she's so sincere and humble and real and I learn a lot in this episode from her like her sense of uh as we've talked about many times on this podcast but in very different ways like not caring what other people think and trusting the process and uh even even her like understanding that she learned a lot by doing and a lot of her early jobs and gigs and roles, she was still figuring herself out and having imposter syndrome and all of those things that you would imagine come with starting out in a career that, you know, you probably feel like, I don't belong here. There's people way more talented than me. And you get put in these scenarios where you're the lead character or one of the lead characters time after time after time. And all of her work is beloved. Um it's just she is so talented, and then I'm I even having recorded this episode, I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm like, how does she do it? I'm sure she doesn't even know, and I think a lot of it has to do with her personality and her demeanor. So, just seeing how relaxed she is is really um, was eye opening for me. Um, I come from a very different side of that uh, pendulum, although I have very similar insecurities. So, this was a very fun podcast, very interesting podcast for me to record, and. Uh, a very refreshing perspective on things from someone who is is as successful as she is. So, stick around. I think you're really going to enjoy. Erica, I'm so excited to be talking to you today for a number of reasons. Um, I feel like I'm finally having a guest on here who I can I can nerd out about Final oh Fantasy uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy 14 with. I, really? I, 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 I am. Know you played. Oh, I was a. <laughs> I, I haven't been playing as much right now. I was leveling Dark Knight up, and I was trying to get to a point where I could finish the storyline, and I took a break. And uh, gosh, truth be told. I was playing a lot of Final Fantasy XI on a private server. That sounds really oh. nerdy to say. Have you ever no, played XI? No, I, I know about. Yeah, I used to play XI like around when it first came out. Oh but yeah. But I had a terrible. I had terrible internet, so I couldn't <laughs> keep playing, unfortunately. But um, I've been wanting to go back and play because it's still running. Oh yeah, it, I mean retail is still going strong. There's still yeah. a great community there. I was like afraid at a point in time that they were going to shut down the servers and like yeah. that would be it. Um, but that was my first MMO. That was like what I was mm -hmm. raised on in terms of my foundational <laughs> MMO years. Yeah, was, uh, 
Oh, really? No kidding. Yeah. I, wow. I mean, I don't think I've really touched another MMO other than the Final Fantasy ones. I've kind of, I played like the WoW trial, but it yeah. wasn't really my thing. So I kept with Final Fantasy. So I'm really curious, what is it about 14 that you love so much? Like, is it the story? Is it the gameplay? Is it the characters? Is it the lore? Like, what is it about 14 oh. for you that you enjoy? Man, well, so kind of funny in a way. Um, at first, I was kind of just playing it like, you know, it's it's a game. It's a Final Fantasy game. I love Final Fantasy games. Um, it's a like a community game. You can play with a lot of people, whether you know them or you don't know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I didn't super pay as much attention to the story early on um but during the pandemic because i was i was on and off i've been playing since um a realm reborn beta so a very long time like eight years yeah and, me too um, <laughs> yeah it's it's and when they would delete your account and you have to start all over yeah that's, oh yeah I've been playing since then but uh so i was just kind of playing like i had a bunch of people i played with and then they all kind of fell off of it so i was playing on and off for like years um, stopped around somewhere in Stormblood because I was playing with my sister for a little bit. and But I didn't really read a lot of the story because she would kind of skip through it. And to keep uh-huh. up with her, I'd have to skip through it too. <laughs> so I didn't catch a lot of that. So I'd be kind of like, oh, whatever. You know, it's a fun game that I play every so often. But during the pandemic, um, I made friends with some people via Twitter through some connections that uh, I new played 14 so we started playing together and i you know got through stormblood and then once shadowbringers hit i think is when i was like this isn't just a game anymore like this is like you feel like you're kind of living through the story at that point like it's so immersive and and just the stories i mean i don't know how far you've played through but um Shadowbringers um, is like incredible. Yeah, I'm I'm like fairly caught up with everything. I'm just okay. I'm I'm like a 76 Dark Knight. I, but I mean, I played everything prior to that Storm's Blood and mm-hmm. uh Heaven Sword and yeah. right that was yeah. So I played those pretty religiously when they were active yeah. and I I mean, I had so much fun doing like the Garuda Prime EX at the time and Titan oh, yeah. when those were like the big fights and uh-huh. I went really really hard those and I was even um cuz I had played 1.0 and because oh, okay. as a as a uh, as a, a huge Final Fantasy fan I love every I mean the fact that there was an MMO with chocobos I was like okay this is what I'm talking about here <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean that's that's what I got so interested with and the way that they incorporated everything I love about storytelling the the combat the mechanics the you you feel really rewarded playing the game yeah. and with with a community like you said I had a bunch of people who I had played 11 with that went on to play 14 and you just feel it's like a different way of socializing and that's what yeah. I I get really attracted to what is it about Final Fantasy that maybe stands out for you that you like as a, a franchise or in terms of, you know, why was that the MMO that you had only played games through? You said you love Final Fantasy. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's just like the um, the story and the characters. I'm not like a huge gamer. Like I, I, I game a lot, but I'm not like, I'm very casual. Uh, okay, that's gaming, fine. So, hey! So uh, I just now actually started, as far as 14 goes, started going into like more extreme rating. So I've done like Unreal, um, what is it? Sephiroth Unreal. Yeah, um, I did, which is really fun, and some like EX stuff, some current EX stuff. Uh, not so much Savage. Savage is a little much for me right now, but I'll get to for it eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's just it's just the story and the the game. Uh, sometimes the gameplay is is more fun than others, depending on which one you're playing. Um, 
uh, turn-based, I think, is kind of more my speed as far as gameplay goes. So sure. those the older games are kind of more my, my speed. But uh, the characters, just some of the characters are just so near and dear to my heart. Um, I know it's just controversial, but Final Fantasy VIII is probably my favorite. Because um, it's, it's one of the first I played. And I know it's like it's really like a hot or cold for people. It's either they really love it or they really hate it. So. <laughs> I I would say that for me, it's it's definitely not my favorite, but I enjoyed it so much. There's such fond memories. I mean, those yeah. were like very formative years for me when I was playing that game because I came off of, I think the first Final Fantasy I ever played was three and okay. then uh like i got r- really into it when i started playing seven like that was the first playstation title to have a final fantasy and then like after playing that i was like what's next and eight with like you had these gun blades and like yeah. it was just and zell was i one of the first like i might have been gosh i was in grade school i dressed up as zell for halloween really? and not a soul knew who i was <laughs> but so i good. felt like the coolest kid in school like having my mom did the tattoo for oh. me and i spiked my hair up like i loved that game it was so much fun That's so uh, cool yeah yeah, yeah. just the, just the way that you can connect to the characters like a lot of them feel so real so mm. I, I really love that about about the franchise in general yeah i i i'm a huge gosh it's it's been uh Year after year with those games, I, I feel like I can meter where I was socially, too, uh, depending <laughs> upon which game I'd come out at the time. Sure. But enough about Final Fantasy real quick, <laughs> because I know that's super fun for me to talk about, and I'll spend the whole conversation here doing it. Um, for you, I have to say, a lot of what was formative for me in games was Final Fantasy, but a lot of what was anime formative for me were shows like Hunter Hunter, okay. Kill a Kill. These were shows that, like... I I had gotten really big into I was big into anime as a kid obviously Dragon Ball Z and things like that but I didn't I don't think I really had an emotional intelligence yet until animes like Full Metal and Hunter Hunter mm-hmm. and like where I could really wrap my ha- head around like I had to rewatch Death Note at the time like I was like I liked Death Note oh, as a kid yeah. but I was like I don't really know what's going on you know <laughs> like I'm not really catching everything they're saying so you know like when animes like Hunter Hunter and, I mean, even Seven Deadly Sins has become a big favorite of mine. You were a part of so many of these animes. And I remember, like, a good friend of mine recommended me Kill a Kill. And I, fe- I remember I watched the whole thing on a family vacation in the gym on the treadmill. Oh, like, <laughs> there's just so many titles that I, when I was going through your resume, I'm like, it was such a part of my life. And they're such prolific titles that are beloved by so many people that, uh, I mean, gosh, my fiance Allie, she's a huge Seven Deadly Sins fan. Fan, and we call our cat Deanne. Funny Aww. enough, uh, it's just, it's because she thinks she's bigger than what she she really is, and she's Cute. got this is sweetheart. Anyway, um, you were a part of so many of these formative things for me. So I, do you have a as as a fan of these things? I'm assuming you were were you a fan of anime when you were growing up, and, and was oh, yeah. that something you were watching? Does oh, it yeah. feel does it feel kind of surreal to be maybe not for yourself because if you're a part of it, maybe there's like a a layer of you that's outside of it, but do you feel the surrealness of a being a part of like these iconic and prolific titles that influence people's entire lives or childhoods? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, um, I, I'd been watching anime since I was a teenager and not many people like knew what it, I don't want to say didn't know what it was Sure, because everyone has their opinions on anime, whether they know what it is or not, of course. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it was like back when, you know, um, uh, 
Borders, when Borders existed, um, mm-hmm. and Barnes and Noble and places like that had like very small like sections of manga on the shelves, or like DVDs for like four episodes for thirty dollars, <laughs> and you like tried to scrounge your money together to be able to purchase one um, at like a Best Buy or, or something like that. Uh, but it's yeah, it's. I never even imagined like I'd be voice acting. <laughs> like it was something that was always kind of like a, or not always, but since I was pretty young, uh, it was like a hobby of mine. I used to do it on the internet. Um, and like, of course there'd be like fan dubs and like mm-hmm. radio plays and stuff like that. So I would do these things and, and me just being a kid from Chicago was like, yeah, this would be cool to do. Like, it'd be really cool to be able to do it. But, you know, you have to move to California. I don't know if I'll ever be able to move because I'm a very independent person or I very much was so when I was a kid. So, um, or not independent, dependent. I'm a very dependent person as a kid is uh, what I meant to say. That so, makes more sense. There yes, you go. <laughs> sorry. I, brain. Brain is moving faster than my mouth is. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I just wasn't expecting to ever move out here and be able to to do any of that because I didn't have a lot of like acting training because mm. um, I'm very shy uh, still very shy I've, I've, I've gotten more over it as the years go by as I like have more experiences um, conventions have really helped me kind of break out of my shell a lot because you meet so many people I'd imagine and um, yeah and speaking of kind of at conventions like that's th- those are a lot of the moments too where it just, it still feels so surreal to me because I used to be that kid going to conventions. I would go to anime conventions. I would cosplay. I would go to panels, voice acting panels, and like hear what the people had to say. Um, and yeah, now I'm on the other side and it's it, it never has really become real to me I feel like um it's still very like oh my god am I dreaming like is this is this real life uh so yeah it's it's crazy how much I've been fortunate to do um and like you said like such iconic series uh not only just like Hunter Hunter which has been around forever and Kill a Kill which kind of blew up when that came out but like being a part of the new cast of like Sailor Moon um is incredible for a show that's been around for 25 years now I think mm-hmm. they just had their anniversary and it just yeah it's still still really <laughs> really hard to fathom that that this is my life so I, I very similar in those ways as a kid I was terrified I was terrified to do anything I was very shy I wound up finding humor being a a way for me to break out of my shell but I was that anime video game mm-hmm. kid and I kind of had to become like a social chameleon and that's how I wound up surviving yeah. what was you know high school and middle school and things like that what was it for you as a kid that you loved about anime or how were you introduced to anime or video games? When did those become a part of your life to a point where you're like, this is a part of my identity or the thing that I'm finding comfort or hobby or solace in? When when did that come about for you? At how old? Um, well, gosh, I had actually been watching anime since before I knew what anime was. Mm. Um, my dad used to watch Speed Racer and like um, Astro Boy and, and stuff like that. Uh, G-Force. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea that's what anime was. And I think it wasn't, I, I didn't really solidify what it was until probably middle school. So I was probably, I don't know, like, how old are you in middle school? Like 12, 13, 12, something 13, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had known about stuff like Dragon Ball Z and like all the stuff that was on Cartoon Network, Saber Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd watch it here and there, but it wasn't until like, 
there's this <laughs> there's this person in in middle school where she was also very quiet and um, kind of reminded me in a way, and I was like, oh, maybe I can, you know, try to make more friends this way, and I knew she really liked anime, like, I would see her drawing it all the time, so I started watching the stuff that I knew she was drawing to kind of, like, have more stuff to talk about, and that's kind of, like, I think where my, at least, uh, knowledge of more anime kind of started expanding, because she used to watch, like, Ranma One Half, Um, I hadn't really given Dragon Ball a huge try until then, so I started Mm -hmm. watching that more, um, Yu Yu show stuff like that. So, and then we, we did eventually become friends and like our circle kind of got a little bit bigger of us little, you know, quiet anime watching kids. So, um, but yeah, and I'm still in contact with her and a lot of the other people. And, uh, yeah, we just, we just kept watching stuff all throughout high school. And, and, you know, once the internet became a lot bigger, um, you've got things like Crunchyroll and, and all those websites where you could just stream everything and, and, you know, I would watch more stuff on TV when that started showing more on TV, once it got a little bit more popular and just, you know, kind of eating up whatever I could find yeah. really, um, listening to other people's recommendations and, and all that. So that's, yeah. You said that you hadn't thought you'd ever become a voice actor or an actor Mm -hmm. that that was kind of like you were doing the fan dubs online or you were part of those communities when did you start pursuing either acting or voice acting or start doing the fan dubs how did that wind up being a shy anime loving kid when did you start getting these ideas to be like oh i want to start now being a part of those or i want to start doing the performative aspects because it seems very contradictory to most shy people to think like hey i am terrified of social interactions now i'm going to do the thing where i stand right in front of everybody and (laughs) show my talent in front of everyone how did that come about for you being that type of child well, that was kind of the thing about um, at least doing voice acting as a hobby on the internet is you could just be in your own house and just kind of like how we do it now almost. Um, True. You just record in your own room and uh, you just upload it to the internet and there it is for everybody to listen to. So the first thing I actually remember doing, there was this website called Voices of the Planet um, and it was a Final Fantasy website where people would just like take lines from the game and just record themselves doing it uh, as if they were being the character that said them and they'd upload them for everybody to hear. And there was just like this archive of just people doing that for whatever characters they could. So oh I gosh. did that. Um, and then I looked up more stuff about voice acting. Cause it's kind of like, you know, the more you watch and like play games, uh, watch shows and play games, like the more you kind of figure out that there are several people that do this job and it mm-hmm. is a pretty cool job. So I'd start looking up those people. Um, I started looking up like anything about voice acting I could. I came across these forums where a bunch of other people were interested in voice acting and would hold auditions for like just these fun projects. You know, no money is involved. Um, and I'd audition for those and I'd book them. And that was a lot of my like early experience, I guess. Yeah. Um, even though I wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so that was, yeah, that's. That's kind of how I, it wasn't the formal way of like learning how to dub, but I did learn how to dub like just by visual sight of like where the characters are speaking and when they stop speaking as opposed to like the ADR beeps that Mm -hmm. I'm more used to now. But, um, so stuff like that. And then, um, 
I like lost my train of thought. But uh, doing the fan dubs for yeah, Final Fantasy, and then that's like, is that where you found the confidence to like? Because it's again like, wh- where did the was there a thought where you said, I love these games, and I want to? Was it was it more about like it being? I want to be a part of games or more I want to perform because the performances I'm seeing in games are now inspiring me to voice act. Yeah, I think it was more of the latter. Um, I mean, kind of both, but it, it, I had kind of always wanted to act. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was a really cool way of like showing creativity. But because I was so shy, I would kind of like steer away from like trying to do things like that. So when I found voice acting, I was like, oh, this is the thing for me because I can I can act, but I don't have to be like in front of a crowd of people, you know? Yes. Um, But I did like because I knew that it would be helpful, um, did push myself to do more things. So like I auditioned for a few school plays, didn't really get anything more than like, you know, background. Uh like people and all that, but it was still like something that I was really proud of myself for doing because I got up and auditioned in front of a bunch of people. Cause it was at like school where they'd have everybody that was yeah. also auditioning in the audience watching you very nerve wracking. Um, but yeah, I do stuff like that. Uh, one year in like, what was it? 2009 or so I had come out to California. Um, I was still living in Chicago at the time, come out to California to do that anime, uh, expo idol that they were doing like years, years, years ago. Yes. And that was also very nerve wracking because <laughs> I'd never done anything specifically like that before. Cause there were like hundreds of people in the audience cause they had so many people auditioning for that. And I stumbled my way through a monologue that they made you memorize for some reason. Mm. Um, so I'm not very good at memorizing. That's another reason why I don't do stage acting, <laughs> but um, it's so much easier having a script in front of you for me anyway. I agree. But um, yeah, so I just, uh, despite the the shyness, like I did try to push myself at the very least to, uh, at my own speed, obviously, like I wasn't like full force, like going out and doing anything, but every yeah. once in a while I'd be like, okay, like I can do this. Let's see how well I handle it. And then I'd do it. And, you know, wouldn't always be great, but I could say that I did it, which I'm, I'm pretty proud of. So That takes a lot of strength as a kid. Yeah. I can't say that I had, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't start doing this until I was in college and I was still deathly terrified. I felt like mm-hmm. I was going to get, you know, if I did something and people didn't like it, I felt like the shame of people like having that face of like, what? Or laughing or any of that stuff. I would, it would have yeah. killed me. Um, were your friends doing it or did you like have encouragement from your parents? Like, where were you finding this strength as a kid? Or was it just you talking to yourself and saying, you like doing this or you got to try it? Was it just you being your best friend coach or was it people around you? Where were you finding that strength from? Um, I would say it was mostly me. Um, not that my parents are unsupportive, but I don't (laughs) think they were like, you know, you gotta do um, this. (laughs) Yeah. They weren't like, you know, my parents are just like, do whatever you want to do. Like, well, you know, we're proud of you. We're happy for you and all that. But they were never like, um, go do acting. Like, it'll be good for you. You're really shy. Just get out there and do it. And I didn't really, uh, I kind of talked to my friends about doing, you know, the online stuff back then, but, uh, I don't know if they necessarily were ever like, you know, pushing me to go do these things either. It was kind of like my own decision. And then if I told them about it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Um, But yeah, it was it was more of my own thing, which always surprises me when I like actually push myself to do things because I will kind of err on the side of like, oh, no, you know, I'll 
be uh i'll just be over here in the corner just watching everybody else do the thing because that's really cool like i'm happy for them but but i'm just gonna you know just do this over here yeah yeah (laughs) that's so that's so cool and i think there's a lot of people especially i mean from people i meet who are aspiring or they haven't even took it taken the first step and they're interested in voice acting a lot of times they're fans of anime or fans of video games and they're very shy and they it's like the thought of standing in front of people like we were talking about just a second ago is like it's just it's paralyzing they can't mm-hmm. even utter a word out and that's kind of like what my first experiences was like for myself the first time i ever had performed in front of people was like uh i auditioned for a musical that i was totally not qualified to be auditioning <laughs> for i've talked about this before but i i didn't even i didn't even know by the end of that audition if i actually sang the song i prepared oh, to no. go and do i was that <laughs> paralyzed by fear but the second i had done that and I like broke through that threshold. I was mm-hmm. like, I got through it and I yeah. lived. Mm-hmm. Did you, so was it just like a, a series of constantly doing things for you where you were like, okay, I auditioned for this. I auditioned for this. And you just like kept getting better and better and better and finding the confidence to eventually like be like, yeah, that was a good performance. That was a good shot to where people were recognizing that. Um, I wouldn't say like on stage I, I did that because I would only do it like every so often. It wasn't like too much, but as far as like, uh, voiceover goes like, sure. yeah, like I was definitely terrified the first at least year or two, um, that I was doing it. And it was still the kind of like the, the aspect of, um, while you are kind of like on your own in a little box when mm. you're doing voiceover, there are still people kind of watching you, you know, um, there could be like just the director and the engineer, there could be, you know, another client or two, there could be 10 clients in the room. Like you don't know until you get in there. And you just have all these eyes on you. And sometimes you look over in the booth if you can see them and you're just like, oh my God, like there are people there. But in reality, like you just kind of have to, I I had to definitely get over the fact um, that, you know, a lot of times they're not really watching you. They're just listening to you Mm. and they want you to do well. That's why they hired you. (laughs) So um, once I kind of get over that and I actually had somebody, I think, I think this was kind of the moment where I was like, you know what? I don't need to be nervous for these things anymore. Um, cause I would get nervous. Like anytime I worked with a new director, that would scare me. Cause I'd been working with a lot of the same directors over and over again. I would get comfortable with them. But once it was a new director that would all like go away. Cause I'm like, Oh, what if they hate me? Like, <laughs> um, you know, <clears throat> this is this, this and that. And like getting in my head about everything. But, um, I had somebody tell me, uh, a close friend who uh, runs a studio and she told me, you know, just, just kind of let go of it. You know, Mm. everybody wants you to do good. You're doing fine. Like you don't need to worry about it so much. Cause I would, you know, when I'd audition in person, I'd get really nervous and I'd do like, I'd want to do take after take after take, but she'd be like, your first one was fine. Like your instincts are good. Like, and you kind of realize at a certain point too, like the more you do it, the less natural it gets. Yeah. So (laughs) still, still true. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the first take isn't always going to be the winner, but sure. um, I think a lot of people are harder on their first take, um, on themselves for it because it's just usually not what you expect to do, but sometimes that's, you know, the thing that people are looking for. So you kind of have to like step outside and like not automatically assume that everything you do is awful, which is a lot of what I would do. So once I kind of like got over that hurdle, um, and I don't want to, I'm going to say I kind of stopped caring, but it's not like I completely stopped caring. You know, it's just like, it's more of like stopped caring what like 
others thought of you in the sense of like you being nervous about it. Like, I don't know if I'm explaining this properly. Yeah. I think that's, it's yeah. I think that a lot of people, like you're saying is we get nervous and we think like, Oh, they're going to think this or Mm -hmm. I'm not good. Or that was stupid. Like you wind up making your value based upon these opinions of people thinking like, Oh, they're laughing about me. And they, like I took a chance and I took a risk and they're like, what the heck are you thinking? And Mm -hmm. the second you can let go that more than likely those people behind the glass are like, no, what are we getting for lunch or exactly? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I've definitely heard stuff like that before too, where it's like, they're not actually like whispering bad things about you. They're just like, what are we doing for lunch? Yeah. I want this. I want that. You know? So, but yeah, you explained it way better than I did. No, listen, that's, that, that that's happened to me and it's happened to so many colleagues before and I think it's super important for people to realize it's it's and, and we don't actually say it enough on here is that if you can just allow yourself to remove that like obviously the people are behind the glass but removing that aspect of what you're doing from the equation opens up a world of possibilities because yeah. then it's your box to play in it's not your mm-hmm. box that's adjacent to a box where people are judging you it's like no exactly. this is the sandbox to play in and 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 I and I loved when um not that I am ever over this and not that we go, get to go into studios that much in audition anymore but the second I realized that for me was very eye opening did you have mm-hmm. a first like job or experience or moment where you kind of you recognize like oh I can let that go was that something you can recall when that kind of clicked for you and and you were able to like let yourself go a little bit or not be so hard on yourself um I can't recall specific job but there are definitely things that I look back on where I know I was really hard on myself and I can hear the growth in the performance. Like Kill the Kill is actually one of those oh. for me. Um, I Because I was very new. Like I, I think I had been doing it for like about six months by the time I had booked Kill the Kill. Um, but I was so scared uh, of that job because it was such a huge thing. Yeah. I had done like leads before, but nothing like super super mainstream if you don't count i guess moggy the labyrinth of magic which was a good show i love that show. i loved it as well near and dear to my heart but definitely not on the realm of like popularity uh the same realm of popularity as kill a kill sure i would say but um so it was just such a big thing like i knew anaplex the company that did it was like expecting it to be huge came out the same time as attack on titan which is also huge so Mm -hmm. i think they maybe like were butting heads a little bit (laughs) as far as like popularity goes but um i just yeah just having all that pressure on me being still the new kid and doing this like really cool badass role um for this really big thing was like so much and i again being a quiet kid did not think i could scream like that (laughs) um but somehow i managed to like do it and i think my my voice strength and just my confidence only got like bigger and better over the course of that show so when i listen back to it i can hear how new i was in the first like i don't know maybe half of it you know fourth of it or whatever and then by the end of it like i i hear my confidence having Mm -hmm. grown um, throughout the course of it so stuff like that I think is really cool which kind of works for the show though because you wind yeah. up seeing this character come into some pretty cool power and standing up for it herself does. amongst this school of people who are yeah I, I, I don't want to say out to get her but like it's you know there's adversity in her her way so yeah uh, I wonder for you what what was it about that character in Kill a Kill that you were able to, as a shy kid, and especially if you're saying that that wasn't typically in your nature to be so fiery or brash, where did you find 
that strength within your instrument if it's not something you were used to doing or were you the person that you were in your room just going ah like <laughs> where did you was it like literally on the job saying like am I going to do this right now or where did you like what kind of preparation did you do to allow yourself to have the freedom to because it is I mean you might be critiquing yourself and hard on your performance but it's it's phenomenal throughout and it's well received for a reason the the dub especially thanks uh (laughs) I yeah I kind of learned it on the job really um but I think a lot of it was just like very cathartic for me. Hmm. So, um, if I was ever really nervous on a day I was recording, I would kind of like, just try to let go as much as I could. And I still at that time was holding myself back a lot. So Hmm. if I'd known the things I know now, could it have been, I think even better probably, but you know, having been the person that I was at that time, um, it was just like super cathartic for me. Cause like if I was ever having a bad day or like, especially nervous, I could like scream out, you know, scream my yeah. heart out. Um, so that was kind of nice. Or like when, you know, Rico does have her vulnerable moments, like, um, those are nice to kind of like get out, um, depending on how I was feeling that day or that week or, you know, um, so I think that's kind of where, where I found all of that strength, um, and like ability to perform that character. It was just kind of like, working off my experiences while recording it as well. So that's kind of amazing. And if you have it for anyone here who hasn't acted before or done voice acting to, it truly can be this therapeutic, cathartic, releasing experience. Unlike anything. I mean, I've had, Mm -hmm. I've had sessions of therapy where I'm like, my acting class, I got through way more of my demons out there than I did ever <laughs> sitting here talking with this person. Obviously, this is very helpful, but something about being, at least this is for me and I'm curious about your experience, being able to like put on the clothes of somebody else and that giving you the freedom to say, like, in my life, I can relate to what this character might be experiences and there's no rule to say I can't feel the way I feel right now like if I want to feel angry like this character's feeling right now I can and like that physical release it mm-hmm. just does it's like it's something about releasing things physically through your voice through your body through your emotion which we oftentimes bottle up as people you get yeah. the freedom to do it through performance did you was that kind of your experience with maybe doing that character or doing characters at that time in your life Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even now, like I actually just had a session today where I, um, had a very, very sad moment, uh, in the show and I cried along with it because I actually hadn't watched it. It's a show that's already releasing. Um, we actually just announced it. It's called uh, a place further than the universe. Heck yeah. Congrats. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And so we were recording an episode of that show that was super sad. And I haven't been keeping up with it just because I've been busy and haven't had time to watch the episodes. But I had no idea what was coming. So when it happened, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was supposed to be crying for the performance. And I definitely was crying. Mm. Um, Like those are real tears. (laughs) So uh, and I've had that with several shows. Like I I love slice of life anime. So um getting to work on that kind of stuff is, is not only just like a joy for me, but it's also again, like therapy for me. Uh, cause I, even if I haven't gone through those characters experiences exactly, I can usually find something in my life that kind of reminds me of it or just feeling the empathy for mm-hmm. the character, I think is really what, what, um, what pulls me through it and is, is able to make me most of the time cry along with them, mm-hmm. um, for the performance. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely do have 
have those moments for sure. For Kill a Kill, it was like getting to release all that like energy and anger um, was really nice because I don't do that a lot <laughs> um, in my personal life. I try not to anyway. And uh, I would just be exhausted after that show. Like that show just I'd have to take a nap after every session. Yeah. <laughs> so it was just so much. We were just talking with Crispin Freeman last episode, and he talks oh. about that, you know, like, it, you have to, not that you have to, but a lot of times these performances require you to be leaving these booths drenched in sweat. A lot of people mm-hmm. get the perception like, oh, voice acting, I'm sitting in a chair, and I'm talking, and I'm reciting lines. It's like, it can be a full body experience, and I've left those four-hour sessions sometimes, and I'm like, did somebody just hit me with a bag of bricks? I thought yeah. I was just, like, voice acting, and it's like, because you're putting so much of your physicality and your emotion behind it it's like if you've ever had a good cry in real life and the exhaustion you feel like that imagine that sometimes like take after take after take it can really wear on you Mm -hmm. i want to take a step back real quick too now that we've kind of jumped forward i I, I love hearing these people's stories about uh, stories like yours of a lot of so many people come from different backgrounds and they find themselves into voice acting whether it's by accident through their own pursuit through their love for anime games you said you had loved all these things as a kid you're doing these fan dubs where did you decide i want to pursue this professionally and then what was that first step to you making that decision was it moving was it visiting california and doing that contest what was the like impetus to say i am going to now pursue this as a career who um I so my actual background um since I didn't really do acting but I I do love like being creative I actually have a bachelor's in arts in animation Um, there you go (laughs) and I did nothing with it when I moved out here but I was proud of myself for going to school that's what my parents wanted it was great um but uh that was a lot of my driving force to actually moving to California um the voice acting thing was kind of something I had like after that contest, actually, I think I was like, because I didn't win it. I didn't even place anywhere, which was fine. There was like hundreds of people. I wasn't expecting anything. I knew I was really nervous, so I didn't do my best. But I was, again, proud that I did it. So after I'd done it, I was like, okay, well, maybe, you know, this isn't a thing. I'll just keep doing it online. It's fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I have been dating another voice actor, Lucian Dodge, for over 10 years now maybe 12 I don't remember anymore but um he had been doing voiceover since I had met him so um he had been doing it in New York and he wanted to move to California because that's where a lot of the work that he wants to do is or he wanted to do is like animation and and gaming and stuff like that because New York is like more commercials that's where I grew up in New York so I know all about it yeah 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 so he wanted to move out here, and once I was ready to also move, I was like, okay, well, you know, I've got this Bachelor's in Arts and Animation, so California's probably the place I should be, because, you know, what Pixar, Disney, um, DreamWorks, Nickelodeon, everything's out there. Makes sense. So I moved, too, uh, shortly after he did. We found a place, and I was kind of content to just, like, watch him do his thing, Um <laughs> slightly jealous you know mm-hmm. was watching him do his thing as he came out here but uh i ended up you know just for the heck of it i was like you know what there are classes out here that people offer for voiceover why not what could it hurt just do like a workout at bang zoom and it'll be fun like it, you know uh, going with friends and meeting new people and it's fine heck sure yeah. no, no matter what happens with it and uh i met uh 
Tony Oliver for the first time through those classes. The amazing Tony great. Oliver, yes. He's so great, yeah. And he just was like, wow, okay, um, you know what you're doing, which is really cool. And he decided to recommend me for auditions at BangZoom. And I didn't really get too much at the start of it, um, but they did end up like calling me in for like Walla um, here and there, which was a fun experience. I don't like Walla, but <laughs> it was a fun experience at the time. I was very excited. Um, and then I think, I forget how exactly, maybe it was like a, through a recommendation, but they had found out that I did boy voices and they apparently needed that or like new boy voices at the time. So mm. I got sent an audition for this, um, this old treasure Island anime that got compiled into a movie and I auditioned for it and they're like, we love it. We want to cast you. And I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> I guess this sounds fun. And then I get in there and they're like, can you do a British accent? Because I didn't do it for my audition. And I was like, not really, because I didn't want to lie to them and like have it be terrible. Mm -hmm. But then they're like, we'll teach you. And I'm like, okay. So no, I wouldn't go look for that. It's not very good. Um, I'm sure it's still on the internet somewhere. <laughs> we but will it's a find very it. bad British accent. Someone did, actually. I mentioned it oh once my and gosh. someone actually went and found it. Um, but uh, I, don't, I don't actually care if people watch it, but it is pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> like my performance is pretty bad because I was just my very one of my very first things. Um, and then uh, after that, they just kind of like kept using me as boy voices. I think actually I may have booked the Pac-Man game before the Treasure Island thing, but they kind of happened sim simultaneously. OK, so because um, I think that's what it was. It was a voice match that they had asked for mm. and then that's when they were like oh boy voices i see so um i was doing that and then i did boy voices for them for the longest time before i finally got cast as like a female and um <laughs> uh yeah it just kind of like kept rolling from there and i was working with bang zoom for a very long time and then would get recommended uh for other studios and stuff through connections that i had made with directors and stuff and um at a point i was just kind of like Oh, okay. Well, maybe I can do this, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> I just, I mean, still, it's like, I, I do feel like I w got really lucky and was mm -hmm. at the right place at the right time kind of thing. Um, so who knows, like, if I had started now, like, what would happen, you know? Sure. Um, it's kind of like, kind of a weird thing, but um, Yeah. I just still it's still very surreal. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 where did you find that you because you said you took the class with Tony Oliver. Did you start doing the boy voices there? And that's how he knew like, oh, that's that was the character you tried out in the class or something. Or had you been working mm -hmm. on those prior and refining those through the online dubs? Like, how was that such a readily accessible thing in your arsenal for when you took that class or however you got recommended? Yeah, that was a, a thing that I I mainly focused on when I was doing uh, fan dubs and stuff like that online. So I had prior um, experience with it because that's a lot of when I was watching uh, anime more frequently and playing games and stuff. Boy voices were the thing that I was very interested in. So watching um, Dragon Ball Z, like you've got Laura Bailey as Trunks sure. and like Kara Edwards as Goten, and those were like so cool to me like those performances are so good 
Um, and then, like, again, Laura Bailey is, like, Shin-chan in, uh, you know, that show. Mm-hmm. And, and just um, just all the various boys you could think of in, in shows and games from the 90s and, and 200s. Yeah. Or 2000s. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm not that old, I promise. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I would just, like, mimic um, them. Oh, Brianne Sadal was a, a, a good one for me, too, um, because I would just completely mimic her performance in, like, uh, Dot Hack Sign. Sure. Sukasa and Dot Hack Sign. And um, who was it? Jim Hawkins in uh, Outlaw Star, which is a character named after the Treasure Island character, funnily enough. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So I just would mimic and I, I just loved doing that stuff. So that's kind of what I think I was known for in the online community as well. So, um, doing, doing that, like for an actual person in the industry, I think they were surprised cause it's not a skill that like is, is easy to come by. I no. think for a lot of women or, um, uh, non-binary people uh so it's it's a skill you definitely have to to work on because you know a lot of women i know just kind of like rely on their their natural voice to kind of do it but they don't you kind of need to add that grit to it to make it at least for anime Mm -hmm. um for i think for prelay stuff it's maybe a little more negligible or they'll cast actual kids which i think is really cool too yeah um, but for anime, you kind of have to add that grit to it or else people don't really believe it uh, as a boy voice quite as much. So, um, so I had like control over that. And I think that was different for people at the time. Um, cause they didn't have too many people that, that could do that. I think. Yeah. Would you, would you say that you were obsessed with like this world that you were in? Cause it, you seem, I mean, getting to know you here, you seem very like, humbled about it and I'm like I'm wondering like for me because I was such a like I'm the type of person maybe it's my astrological sign as an Aries I gotta like ram my head through everything I do and it's like (laughs) if I don't if I'm not naturally good at this I'm just gonna bang my head against it until I figure it out but I feel like you know for many people and many things uh like when you relax and you just kind of trust the process sometimes and you don't try and like put so much restraint it it becomes a little bit like easier you got to get you get to the result faster was that were you kind of obsessing beating your head like i was or was it just like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna figure it out and i'm I'm gonna get it like did, did you seem more relaxed in in what you were trying to find especially in the boy voices it was definitely more relaxing when I was just doing it for fun. Doing it professionally uh. is a completely different story. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> you're like, well, people are paying me. I have to make sure it's good. Um, but there are definitely times, like, not only with boy voices where, you know, um, I usually get told, like, I have pretty good instincts. Um, but there are definitely times when, like, I think for everybody, even if you're, like, super grade A, I don't know, star actor who's been doing this for a million years, like, uh. sometimes things just don't click. Um, and that happens for me and that's when I tend to get frustrated and will beat my head against, you know, whatever I can find. Um, not actually, but <laughs> yeah, you know figuratively, I mean. do not but, beat your head uh, against figuratively, not, not actually against a wall or anything, I promise. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I'll just, I'll get really frustrated and like, um, I think it, it can be visible a lot of the time. So, um, uh, I think people, when people sense it, they're just kind of like, okay, well, you know, let me explain it a different way. Um, or like, I'll start asking questions to like help myself understand it because I want to get it, mm-hmm. you know, like 
I don't want to have somebody be like, that's good enough. And then move on. Cause some people will say that. And that like kills me inside every mm. time. Like, and maybe they don't mean it that way, but it feels like they mean it that way to me. Yeah. And I just want it to be good. Like I just want to work on good things and have my work be um, something I can be proud of. That's a really great way to be. And I think that's what elevates, especially the anime dub community and a lot of games right now, because we, there's a difference between when this was all starting out and anime was just being made by companies and was like, all right, are you, you know how to use your voice. You're going to record this. The, the janitor, you come in and do this. We, yep. <laughs> we're finding a, a group of like our contemporaries, people who love and care about what they do. Not necessarily they're obsessive fans of the, the, the mediums, but they care about the art and they care about the story. And I think mm-hmm. that that's why you're seeing such good dubs right now. You're seeing such good, um, animation and cartoons because people really care it's there i i truly believe there's food at the table for everybody to eat and i truly believe that if you're you're talented you can make a name for your play yourself doing this but it is so competitive because it's like every time i look to my left and my right of the people who are casting things i'm like i'm casting this with that person it's like these people are working so hard and you have to you have to put your heart and soul into it. And have you noticed a change in from when you started to now? Has it been a more uh, relaxing pursuit in terms of competing in this? Um, I don't want to say it, it, competing at this point in time in, in voice acting as a, as a career. Has it been more of a relaxing pursuit or are you finding like you need to figure out more ways to push yourself and, and to stand out amongst the crowd? Like what is it like for you today versus when maybe you didn't know as much as you did back then and it was just kind of like blind instinct? Um, man, I, not something I've super thought about, I guess, but I, I guess if I had to say anything, I don't know if it's, super changed for me personally. Um, cause I'm just, you know, I'm happy to be cast in anything. Like, <laughs> I just like working, but I'm also not the, the person who does the whole like networking grind, you know, that's never really been my thing. Sure. Um, I just want, you know, people to, um, like me for, for who I am and what I can bring to the table. Mm. And if I have to like, I don't know, it, this feels weird to say, but like, if I have to like super push myself to prove myself outside of just acting. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not really something I'm interested in. So if I can just audition and like show people that way. And like, if I have like super creative ideas outside of like what they ask for, then I'll, I'll do it. But you know, most of the time I'll just kind of stick to the specs. Um, because that could be what they're looking for. That could not be what they're looking for, depending on what they're, they say in the, the emails or whatever. But, um, but yeah, I just, I just, this is probably bad and not like something I think I'd recommend for everybody, but I, I definitely just fly by the seat of my pants. Um, a lot of the time, uh, just kind of coast it. But, um, but if there's, if there's something that I'm like, you know, really jonesing for, then I think, I think I'll do more effort than I need to put into maybe, which kind of makes things a little, uh, little, not stale, but like. I don't know. I just try too hard and I start thinking about it way too much. Sure. Um, uh, and then, but I don't like to do that as a thing, but I find myself doing it every so often. Cause I'm like, I really want the thing. Yeah. 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 Um, and then those are the things you don't book because that's just how the universe works. <laughs> it's, it seems like you've had this natural inclination to kind of trust yourself in the process. And 
I found in my life, and it's so, it's one of the most difficult things for me. Like you said, you want something really bad. You start overworking, mm-hmm. and you become the, you become the enemy between you and yeah. what you could have done if you yeah. had just trusted that you're good enough. You have the talent, the skill to give your unique take on it. Whether they like it or not is not up to you to decide no. unless you happen to be casting it which and then i guess it's a little bit of nepotism but you know that's <laughs> remains to be talked about at this, this point in time what is can you identify what uh, was it like something about your temperament as a kid was it just like where did you where, how do you have such comfortability in yourself do you just like i don't mean this as like i mean this as a compliment so take it as one like sure, you, sure, yeah, when yeah. do you when you hear yourself in performances do you have like can you say, yeah, that was good. I liked what I heard. Like, do you have that kind of read with yourself? Or are you just very honest about how you feel like if you've done a good job or not? Where do you find this? Yeah, I feel like that's the golden, uh, the ticket that people are always looking for. It's like, how can I just relax? How can I just trust myself? Can you identify how you've found that in, in when you're able to do that in your auditions? Oh, man. Um, I... I feel like I was actually talking something sort of like this with a director today that I was working with <laughs> where I was like, you know, I just kind of like, I'll, I'll pick and choose where I'm like, I really want to fight for like this specific read yeah. to where I'm proud of it. But at a certain point, um, for certain projects, um, you kind of have to pick your battles, I think. So mm. if something's fine, I don't want to like overwork it. Cause then I just kind of like make myself crazy, yeah. you know? So I, uh, sometimes I do settle for fine just because I know that that's at least for, for anime projects and like sometimes video game projects, depending on the deadline, I know people have to just get through it, yeah. you know, um, with pre-life stuff, bigger video game stuff, usually they'll take more time and, um, you can finesse things a little bit more, but for anime and like video games these days, you do like two takes maybe three if you're lucky sometimes one take and then it's fine and you work on it uh, or you keep going but um but i I just i think having come from that background and like how working on anime and games uh localization games have has changed throughout the years i've just kind of learned to like be okay with a performance even if i don't think it's like necessarily up to my par um Mm. because it's it's kind of like a what is it subjective objective thing and you kind of have to like think about it about how other people are gonna view it not yourself because some other people may think like that was the most brilliant brilliant thing you've ever done yeah and you could still be like what are you talking about like that was garbage (laughs) so I, i just and because i have such bad imposter syndrome some days I just kind of have to like let it go Uh otherwise it'll it'll just drive me nuts so that's so interesting you say you have imposter syndrome because it's like (laughs) having you it seems like you trust yourself so much and yet you there's the times where you just can't help but have imposter syndrome and from someone on the outside when I hear like your performances and most and you know and Someone on the outside could easily say this, you know, Erica, you book so much, you're working all the time. Like, you have to, like, be in your head, like, I'm a freaking rock star, I'm kicking butt. And then to know, like, that feeling of imposter syndrome still lingers for you sometimes. It's it's a fascinating thing to... Mm-hmm. I, I, maybe it's just something us all as artists are, are plagued with. Maybe we're, it's that's, like, I, I think so. the fuel <laughs> that keeps people, us going, yeah. right? 
Yeah. I mean, you just kind of want to keep getting better in your own way. Like some people, like I said, um, I'm a little bit more casual about it, but I think some people use that as like, you know, the ship that sails them into just pushing so hard Mm. to where that they feel like they can, um, be confident and, and proud of themselves. Um, but I, if, again, if I went that hard, I think I would just, I'd lose myself a little bit, I think. And I, I don't, want that i guess i think that's the healthier approach if i had to say i'm not a doctor (laughs) i I can't prop i can't say that for sure but it seems like the healthier way of doing it uh what where do you find as an actor as an artist where do you find either inspiration for yourself as a creative um or find inspiration for what you bring to your characters is there is there a practice or something you do in your daily life whether it's people watching or playing the games where are you finding inspiration um both personally and professionally um i i mean playing video games uh i don't watch as much anymore but every once in a while like i'll watch something whether it be anime or like an actual show uh live action show yeah um uh and i'll just kind of like listen to people or watch people and and see what they're doing with their performances and i'll like i don't know if it's something interesting or just something like so weird i'll mimic it mm. a lot of the time um and i'm not like an impressionist or anything but it's just kind of fun to like see if you can do a read the same way somebody else does and and sometimes i'll like recall that stuff and see if i can potentially add it to some kind of character that i'm working on or or something like that. But um, I think uh, actually Final Fantasy XIV, bringing that back, has um, been like a huge influence because I think a lot of the performers that record that, they're all in the UK. And they're incredible. like Phenomenal. um, It's so good. And just such like masterclass in performances from a lot of those people. And um, they they inspire me a lot, I think, these days, um, which is really cool. And uh, just in general, like non-acting wise, like music, I think, is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Music is, is a good inspiration. So I was listening to a lot of mostly video game music these days. <laughs> me me that, too, yeah. It's really good. It's so good. But um, yeah, stuff like that, I think, really pushes me. What about when you get a job or you get an audition, whatever it is, something you're doing before you get into the booth at, at whatever point? Is, do you have any sort of... Uh, rituals or regiments, things that you do that you can identify that you're either um, you need to do for yourself and your instrument or you need to um, just do in preparation for the character and the material. Do you, you know, do you have to have a specific warm up? Do you need to, you know, print out the sides and write on them? Is there anything mm-hmm. that you have to do specifically to get you ready for whenever you're going to record? Um, I'm the worst about doing warm-ups. I really should do warm-ups, <laughs> but I don't. Um, and they probably help me, but I just still don't do them. Um, but, uh, I, I don't write on my scripts usually. I don't print them out and write on them, but, uh, I, I have found that at least doing, uh, doing work during the pandemic, people have been sending us the scripts, mm-hmm. um, a lot more often. And I'll usually like go through and like highlight my lines, um, sometimes read through them. Um, sometimes I'll watch, go watch episodes. Uh, I don't do as much of that anymore. Um, if it's something I can watch, but, uh, cause I don't have the time, Yeah. but having the scripts beforehand is really nice. And I'll, I'll I will look through those. Um, but kind of like, uh, the music thing too, um, using that as inspiration. I used to do that a lot more than I do now, 
but like for for kill a kill and like a few of the other shows i'd worked on years ago i would find a song that kind of resonated with the character for me Mm. from the soundtrack of the show and just like blast that on the way yeah um the way to the the session i did that when i did neo i was listening to the because it was a sequel to the game that Mm -hmm. i the 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 world ends with you and then we did neo yeah, yeah. i would just listen to like all the original soundtrack of the first game so, so i was like i want to give yeah, first of all the music is great it's so, so i was so like good. i want to get into that <laughs> mindset and then i would listen to like you know even kingdom Hearts stuff because it's adjacent i'm mm-hmm. like i want to be in this zone for what so when i enter kind of like it's kind of like how you see athletes getting themselves in the zone with their headphones on before a football game or something. They're, yeah. you know, they have to get into whatever that world is. And I think that's really helpful uh, as an actor, especially if like when I started out in New York, you're leaving like this crazy city and then you walk into a really what's supposed to be a creative place when, you know, you just saw like two people fighting on the sidewalk or yeah. <laughs> you're in L.A. traffic and you got people like cutting each other off and road rage. Like, music has always been a thing for me that's grounded that arena that I'm about to enter into. And I think that can be very helpful for people who are starting out or maybe they're living at their parents' house or whatever it is that you need to create that that realness for you to make it real. Yeah. What what about performances that you've seen or shows or things? Is there anything that you saw where you're like, holy crap? I mean, obviously, other than Final Fantasy fourteen, where you're like, I'm so impressed by that. And that's like... Um, you know, I mean, we have things like the Game Awards coming up, people getting nominated for all these really cool mm-hmm. things. Is there something that like has stood out to you in this past decade where you're like, that performance really moved me in a way as like, it's like, I want to aspire to do that. Yeah. Um, we, me and my boyfriend watched Queen's Gambit, <clears throat> which I think was really good. The performances of that were really good. Um, very like subtle, nuanced things. Uh, so very, very good piece to watch. I think if you're, you're into acting, yeah. um, what else, uh, what else have I played? Gosh, <laughs> it's mostly been 14. <laughs> I'm going to be real. Um, I know I've played other things. What have I played? Uh, this is cheating because this is a game I'm in as well, but, uh, That's 13 not cheating. Sentinels, <laughs> 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim is like, so good yeah um it's like a i don't know if you've played it but um, i've seen the trailer i haven't played it though no for anyone who hasn't played it it's like it's it's a game but it's mostly a visual like an interactive visual novel that has like mech battles in it so you get a lot of story within that and um everyone who's in it is just so good like so good for their characters and and it's nice because it's like an anime styled game but it's a little more um grounded mm. um as far as the performances go so uh meanwhile you know you see other games like uh the the typical like what you would consider you know anime jrpgs and it's like everyone's like crazy there's like little creatures and like all these like things and everyone's just hyped up on red bull and you know those are the types of games you think of yeah. but like when you when you see 13 sentinels it's like just the atmosphere is just so like somber and just cool and there's just so much going on and the characters all have their own personalities and you can hear the personalities within each of the performances and and um yeah that one's just probably i think one of my favorite performance game performances more recently i think yeah 
What about, uh, is there a title or a type of character or a franchise of something that you would love to like be a part of or it's a character type that you've never done or a part of yourself mm. that you'd love to flex that you haven't really gotten to do? Like for me, I would love to like, I would love to play like a Joker style character, oh, you know, yeah. like just really allow myself to have that. I mean, I've done things in auditions before, obviously, but like that maniacal, like something about that like trigger for me it's like i want to explore that on a very recurring level <laughs> i don't know yeah. what that says about me as a person but there's something about it that seems really fun and obviously like mark hamill's joker i'm just like this one oh, of yeah. the creme de la creme of performances is there something yeah, like that I... for you or a performance or, or sorry a style like a, a character type or a franchise that you'd love to be a part of um i don't know if i could pick a specific character type because i feel like i've gotten at least a little taste of like Almost anything I feel like I'd be good at mm. or that I'd want to do at this point. I actually uh, recently um, got to do something I'd never really done before in Cookie Run Kingdom. Yeah. Um, it's my second time playing a character, and I got to play Black Pearl Cookie. And she is a character I got to explore a little bit more of, like, things I didn't realize I could do mm. <laughs> with. So I did, like, um, <clears throat> like, uh, like kind of a Harley Quinn azula from avatar thing sure where she has this like crazy laugh and i don't play a lot of evil characters so that was kind of fun to tap into so maybe i guess maybe something more like that i think would be fun um to do to do more of that but otherwise like i you know of course love to be a named character in a uh, final fantasy game um or kingdom hearts love kingdom hearts as well um persona persona would be cool but uh, I, I did get to do incidentals for the Final Fantasy VII remake, which was pretty awesome. Oh yeah! But being a named character in just any Final Fantasy game would be would be dream come true, I think, for me. Fingers crossed, because yeah. <laughs> we, we, there's two more titles right in the remake, and then there's. Uh, I'm sure they won't stop making yeah, games. I, yeah, I, I have a feeling that they're gonna. <laughs> I mean, we just got the Crisis Core remaster. Yeah. They're doing another version of Final Fantasy VII. There's two more. I mean, gosh, they could just make. Yeah. They could make their own separate Final Fantasy universe out of Final Fantasy VII. They could. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, is that cool? Have you ever had an experience, whether it be with a. Uh, a castmate or a director, somebody in the room, an engineer, where it had like kind of a revolutionary effect on you, or they said something to you, or uh, it was a note about your performance, or something about being in the room with somebody else. I mean, for me, um, I, I just top of my head, I think of like Bob Buckholz. One of the first thing he told me, he was like, you know, you can like repeat while we're hearing the playback what you hear in the Japanese reference. Like, you don't have to wait for us to play both of those. And I was like. Oh, no kidding. So I can get, <laughs> I can listen to it once for reference, and then I can hear the cadence, and I can do it at the same time. And then the third time, I've already gotten like a warm up, like a pre warm up before we do the three in a row. So, like, that was like to me, it was like light bulb moment. I'm like, oh, thank you, Bob Buckholz. <laughs> thank you very much. Have you had any of those experiences, whether big or small, or just, just something you took out of a session where you're like, oh, wow, I never thought of that? Um,. I can't, I'm, I'm such a bad memory, so it's like really hard for me to recall any specific like things I've been told, but uh, I did find, obviously this is something that would, I would do way more before the pandemic when we could actually go into studio with multiple people, but um, after sessions I would have for like anime and sometimes video games, um, if I knew the people, I'd be like, hey, can I sit in on the session? Mm. And so I'd watch other people perform, and I think that was really eye-opening for me. Um, kind of also going back to things where um, 
we were talking about how like I kind of, you know, learn to let go of things, I guess. Yeah. Um, once I started watching people and seeing that they messed up the same way I did, <laughs> that was like, I thought that was only a me thing. Like I thought that was me being like the, the newer performer or like the very unconfident performer. But I was like, no, everybody messes up. And sometimes they do, you know, the exact same things I do. And like they stumble over words and like they, uh, read things wrong or they forget words in a sentence or they read the wrong line and you know mm. just stuff like that so once once I saw that I think I would that was part of what kind of opened me up into um just being like oh, okay so I don't have to worry about this as much because everybody does it yeah it's not just me so <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna say this and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this I have sending in an audition once to, to my agent and they sent me the wrong Dropbox link. And when I clicked on it, it had like everybody else's auditions in there. Oh, and, no. and a piece of me was like, I just was like, I'm curious. I need to know. Like, I'm like, well, I want to hear what other people did. It's just, I had already sent mine in at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I listened to like two and it like gave me such a sense of resolve. I'm not going to say who I listened to or anything, but it was like, you know, yeah, people yeah. I'm like, I, I just listen. My curiosity was killing me and I had to do it. Whether that's however anybody feels about that. Listen, I did it. I was curious and it, it gave me such a sense of ease to know like what I'm doing is not anything like what they're doing, but it doesn't make it worse. You know, yeah. like it didn't like, like I remember I was like, okay, I'm so fine that I'm just doing this the way that I want to do it. And if that's not what's right for this project, fine. But I know what I'm doing is like, it's true to who I am and the way that I interpret the character and other people are doing things that I would right. never think to do. And that's what makes this like industry and job so cool is that you can give a hundred people the same sides. You can give a hundred people the same character and in, like 99% of the time it's going to come out very different, you know, yep. for, with people who are professionals and they know what they're doing and they trust their instrument. It, it was, uh, uh, again, maybe, maybe ethically I shouldn't have done that, but I was curious. I had to do it. It was, it was, you know, I I think probably somebody like at least everybody's done something like that at some point. <laughs> so I definitely wouldn't uh, think you're a bad person for it but at all. What's done is done. Uh, well, as a, right. as a director, as a casting director, I mean, you get to experience those things, and you've got to dabble in doing a bit of that. Correct in your life, where did that come about? A little bit. Yeah, like did was that just something that fell into your lap, or like someone was like, you would be really good at this? How did how did you wind up getting into those? Because that's how I think that's how I first worked with you. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. Um, I it's funny. I um, so my first directing job was with Bang Zoom, uh -huh. um, and I you know was going into the studio so often at a certain point that they everybody just knew me and everybody was comfortable with me, and um, I'm pretty good friends with one of the production coordinators over there who's now a casting person, I think. Um, but at the time, she was just a production uh, coordinator and or assistant or something. Uh -huh. What her exact title was doesn't matter. Anyway, um, so I was talking to her about this movie that I knew was coming out, and um, they had asked me to write it because I also do adaptation sure. and stuff. So I was adapting it, and she was like basically telling me that they didn't have a director for it yet. And I was kind of like, Haha, well, what if I directed it since I already know all about it since I wrote it and everything? And she's like, do you actually want to? And I'm like, oh, uh, I mean, I, I 
guess if there's nobody else, <laughs> I could try it. And they're like, okay. Um, so, and I knew the, the client that was working on it too and, and um, really liked her and uh, had worked on a bunch of her projects. So she was totally okay with it. And, and everybody was really supportive there um, about me doing it. Um, engineers, all the people in the office, um, a lot of the actors as well that got brought in for it. Uh, cause I don't, I don't get to cast that often. Sure. Actually. Um, it's mostly, uh, directing if I'm going to do stuff like that, but, um, yeah, everybody was really cool about it and I was super nervous. I still get really nervous. Um, <laughs> especially if it's like, Oh, like it's, it's easy if it's like somebody I don't know that well, or I feel like it's kind of like on the same, um, trajectory as, as I've been sure. with my career. Like you're, you were super nice and easy to work with, even though I hadn't really known you. Um, so I wasn't like nervous at all with you, but like if it's I somebody was, that so I, there's that, you know, <laughs> oh, no, just, don't be nervous around me. I'm very awkward. So don't, <laughs> I'm trying my best not to be awkward at any given time. So there's no need to be nervous. So around am me, I, I which is so fu- like, I, I think people, because I, 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 I can't like I mask and cope with my nervousness by being mm-hmm. I mean honestly I am a genuinely excitable person and like talking about stuff like this it gets me so excited but like <laughs> there's times where I start like I realize I'm in a situation and I'm like before this can get weirder I'm going to turn it and I'm going to take control because I feel so <laughs> awkward like I'm going to dominate the the energy of this so I don't my awkwardness doesn't come to the forefront but yeah so I'm very similar so it just comes out in different ways I think for people yeah yeah well I didn't get any of that from you so <laughs> good great great but it was like super easy to work with you and like people I've known for a while it's like super easy to like direct them um, it's the people that I used to watch as a kid mm. or a teenager, I guess, um, that are hard for me to work with. There are definitely people where I, I won't name any names because I'm embarrassed, <laughs> but, um, people who I just like, I see them on the schedule and I'm just like, Oh God, how am I going to do this? Like I'm, I've been working for like 10 plus years less than them. Like, are they going to be weird? Uh, like, is it going to be weird? Yeah. Um, are they going to like respect me um should i just let them do whatever they do because they're great Mm. and like you know stuff like that so i I don't know quite the line because i try to avoid those situations if at all possible but sometimes it's not under my control so um but yeah so it's it's uh directing is it's something that's cool like i'm glad i have that under my belt it's a thing i can do but it's not something i'm like looking to like pursue long time sure um Especially on a larger scale. I I think anime is something I could probably handle video games, like short-term video games. But um, longer-term projects and, like, really huge projects where you have to, like, really dive into the story and stuff like that um, because of my memory retention. (laughs) Probably not the best idea for me because some of these JRPGs, like, especially massive like i can't even remember a lot of the plot of games i actually enjoy Uh (laughs) so just having to be at the head of that and like go through it with every actor um knowing each individual part of their story Mm. um like i'd rather just be the actor and just know like my part of the puzzle as opposed to like having to put the entire puzzle together um but it is directing is is pretty fun it can be fun um and a, a very interesting experience so i don't regret 
getting into it. Sure. I'm sure but, it probably um, informed a little bit of you as an actor yeah. to just be on that other side of the, the glass. I can't imagine you don't see something or pick something up along the way. Yeah, it's, it's kind of the, the thing I was talking about too, where like just sitting in on sessions was so informative yeah. and like being able to, yeah, being able to direct and see even more people perform. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think helped me a lot for sure. Yeah. I think this next thing I'm going to ask you, um, I have to because I think people would, would come at me with pitchforks if I didn't bring it up. But you're talking about, you know, these ginormous video games that have, you know, like colossal stories and just so much going on. I mean, in its own right, Genshin Impact is this monster that is just – it is like this successful beast that is just like ever-growing and living. And I remember either reading or seeing something where – your character was cast prior to the game coming out. So what has that process been like to like be a part of something at the inception and be like, okay, I don't know what this game is. I'm probably just a character in this game. And then to be like waiting silently on the sidelines as it's like growing into this ginormous monster and being like, oh, I'm going to be a part of this thing as it's getting so big. <laughs> what is that? What was that whole journey like? Just like being able to be like a spectator and like, I'm actually in this too. Yeah, um, man, uh, I had just randomly been brought in to audition for this thing, like, almost three years ago, I feel like at this point, I don't know exactly how long the game's been out. And we recorded like, at least a year before then, maybe I don't even remember at this point. Yeah. But um, I yeah, I just got brought in to audition for this thing. I auditioned for one character, it was Ayaka. And wasn't expecting to get it. I had a cold that day. Huh. Um, I sounded awful. I thought I sounded awful. But next thing I knew, I was cast uh, maybe a few weeks later and just started coming in for this character. And I was like, okay, cool. This I still don't super know what this is. They had like trailers or like testing things out. And a lot of the testing stuff was involving my character because she was, uh, I think, a beta testing character, yeah. I guess. So, um I got to see like all these things, like her move set, and I was like, okay, this looks neat. She's pretty. I like playing like pretty characters, um, characters that I, I enjoy the aesthetic of, uh -huh. and she's definitely one. Of <laughs> Yo, yeah, and, very much. Um, so uh, we we're just recording it and recording it, and at a certain point, I just stopped hearing about it, um, and then the game came out, and I'm like, okay, cool. Um, don't know when my character is coming out. Uh, I have some incidentals that are in there because I recorded those like a year before. Yeah. Um, so I get to hear them if I, you know, watch people play the game or I play the game myself. And um, still waiting, waiting. I think a year went by-ish before I was actually able to announce her. Um, <sighs> but until then, like I had been seeing some auditions come by characters that I saw get announced before she did. Uh -huh. And I was like, when is she coming out? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and then they finally brought me back in, uh, obviously before she got announced. And um, so backtracking a little bit, mm. but uh, they brought me in again and they finally were like, Oh yeah, she's in like um, the Inazuma region. So she's not coming out until I forget. Is it was a 2.0 or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that. I think 3.0 is the current one. 2.0. Um, whatever patch that was. So, um, she, yeah, they finally were like prepping for her to come out. So we started doing like more story stuff. Cause I think initially we had done most of the, um, the like battle stuff sure. and the, like, um, you can go through and like 
hear all the lines of like what they have to say about care other characters mm-hmm. and like other things in the game and whatever. So we did a lot of that. And during this like these newer sessions, we had actually gone back and re-recorded some of that stuff because it was so old at this point and some of the stuff they had changed. So, and then, you know, again, she finally came out and I was just like, oh my God, like this felt like the longest wait I've ever had to do for anything. (laughs) And people knew it was me because, you know, if, if you recognize my voice and you're good enough to recognize my voice, like, you know, you can tell instantly, um, I think for certain characters. And so I just had people that were like trying to talk to me about it and I'd be like, I can't say anything. So I wouldn't say anything. But yeah, my voice had been in videos since, yeah, the beta videos for the English version started going online. And then there was that whole thing about like, um, because there's so, most games are like super secretive about, you know, any information going out, but they had like, Genshin in particular has these, um, these like place cards where they have your name on them. Yeah, yeah. And I think at the time, like you still couldn't talk about it. Um, so it was like this weird, like dance that I had to do of like people were talking to me about it even more, but I still couldn't talk about it, um, until I was officially given permission to. So when that finally happened, I was like, like such a breath of relief. Freed from the silence of. So hard to not talk about it. Yeah. That's, that's such a tough thing I think for actors sometimes. And it's the interesting thing about voice acting is like in live action or theater. It's like, if you're in it, that's you. Like, there's no guessing like who's under that costume. They're not like keeping the actors a mystery, you know, to, but as a voice actor, and especially if your voice is recognizable and people are like, I know that's you, that's you as that character. It's a very hard position where you have to be, like i can't say anything yes or no like i can't say anything and then people are like why not you know ndas and these companies it's a very uh interesting it's It's just how it goes and it's a part of the the process but to be on the receiving end of people (laughs) berating you to know is it tough it's got to be uh tough but what what a payoff and every company's different yes that is everyone's got their own protocols but was was the game Anything that you could have imagined at the time and what has it been like being, you know, in the success of it now in this reception and being at fan conventions and seeing like how popularized this is becoming. Mm -hmm. It's really it's hard for me to think of something similar in the way that it's culturally infected like a huge market. Like I remember going to a convention recently and like every banner and poster was Genshin Impact and I'm like. The last I can remember was like Marvel doing that. It's like okay. it's that level of like the the zeitgeist. How does how has it been being in that vortex? Was the convention Anime Impulse, by the way? It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. Okay. Yeah, because I, I knew you were there and I was gonna go try to say hi. But I think <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you had left by the time I was not busy. No. <laughs> so. Oh gosh. <laughs> But yeah, there was a lot of Genshin stuff, and it, it really isn't for me specifically because I don't. Um, uh, I, I'm the kind of person on social media that doesn't want to be like, I'm very proud of all the, the work I've done sure. and all the characters that I play, but I don't want to be attached to one thing. Yeah. So I don't like incessantly talk about any particular one thing. Yeah. Like every once in a while I'll go back and like, if I see something relevant come up, um, or I just happen to, you know, have something remind me of something, I'll, I'll talk about it then. Yeah. 
um, for the day or whatever. But um, I don't want to talk about any one thing nonstop (laughs) um, on my social media. So on social media, I I see it every once in a while just because it's usually I see it when people bring it to me. I don't necessarily put it out there unless I'm announcing something or something new comes out uh, for Genshin. Like obviously the patches come out. So um, I'll talk about it every patch or something if it's something relevant to my character Mm -hmm. but um it's i see it definitely more at conventions like you said because for stuff like um anime impulses i think a special beast on its own just because they have like such specific um things that they promote yeah so like a lot of it is uh fire emblem three houses they've been doing a lot of um which i'm also in so i'll go for like their fire emblem three houses day and then they'll have like a sprinkling of like other people and um then this last one they also had genshin so um i'm there for like the genshin days and whatever and uh yeah, it's it's not until I get to see people in person mm-hmm. to where I like fully realize like how big something is. Yeah. And it's kind of always been that way, honestly. Um so but Genshin is like yeah, I probably see more people with like coming up to me with Genshin merch um than than I don't want to see than anything because there still is like the classic stuff yeah. like kill a kill and and um I, I still have a lot of Fire Emblem Three Houses people that come up to me. Yeah. So it's it's definitely, for it being one of the newer big things, it has already caught up to the popularity of, like, the other stuff that I see at conventions. It's crazy. For sure. That's so crazy. And I, so, and I also just want to quickly ask you about, I know you're in, like, a lot of these, I, I saw you were going to be in the new Octopath Traveler. You're, mm-hmm. uh, you just did the new Star Ocean game. Like, mm-hmm. are, are these the games that you, like, after doing it, you're, were you excited about these games prior to even knowing you were in them? Or is that the game that you would want to play anyway? I mean, the first Octopath Traveler for me was such a refreshing, like, I love, I love the, the, that style of RPG, you know, it's just everything that I want. And even like the Fire Emblem stuff, it's like, I grew up Mm -hmm. playing Final Fantasy Tactics. It's like, that's all Mm -hmm. my stuff. Are you somebody who is like a fan before you know about what you're casted in or like when you're cast, you're like, I got to play this game now. I know how cool it is and all this stuff. What is like the interaction between you and current media and games that come out? It really depends. Cause as you know, a lot of things are like heavily codenamed. True. Um, and both of those games were, were very heavily codenamed. Um, I actually ended up figuring out, uh, what, um, Octopath was <laughs> on my own because they were not telling me what it was. Um, and this was like way before it had been announced too, I think. Um, Star Ocean, they told me when I had gone in for it. Um, but I figured it out because uh, as someone who is very immersed in gaming and a lot of these JRPG titles, because I played uh, Star Ocean 3 um, particularly for that game, it, I sometimes to figure out things, I'll, if they don't code name everything, like sometimes they'll just code name the title and like change the characters names. Um, but if they have like specific terms, Mm. like I think for Star Ocean, they may have mentioned pangalactic. And so I'll just take words that I'm like, this seems super specific. And I'll like Google it and I'll be like, Oh, okay. I know what this is now. And that kind of like informs me a little bit more. Sure. Um, so I think stuff like that is helpful, but, uh, yeah, I definitely am excited about the things, um, whether I'd heard about them beforehand and got cast in them, or even if I don't get cast in them, like, yeah, definitely stuff that I still would have played. Um, I didn't get through the first Octopath Traveler, but this one, uh, I think is definitely something I, I would probably ca- like be able to keep up with more. Yeah. Um, cause <sighs> 
Octopath, I think, was a really great idea, and it looks beautiful. Um, the first game, I like just missed the um, the character stories. Sure, like, they didn't uh, connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it kind of felt like they were supposed to. So I'm hoping. Obviously, I can't say anything mm-hmm. about details of the game, but I'm hoping there's a lot more of that in this second one. Yeah, so. that would be my critique and hope as well for the game and what I'm kind of looking forward to. That looks great. Yeah. I'm so excited it's for it. such a cool like game and style artwork anyway. Um, I want to ask you a little <laughs> fun thing. I think because I think this way this is going to be released if i'm correct in my scheduling for things it's going to be like <laughs> I, I know there's nothing formative to it here other than the fact the date that's coming out like our holiday christmas time the way that's going to come out so <laughs> the idea that i would love to ask you is as a voice actor what would you consider to be like a great gift for somebody who is uh, or is pursuing or is interested in like the world of vo or maybe specifically for you or for anybody who's interested in this stuff like what would you think is like a good gift to give someone or to get oh um man i don't know because i'm not like (laughs) i'm not like a huge techie or anything (laughs) um a lot of my the gear that i had gotten uh that i'd been working on for the longest time was my boyfriend lucian's Mm -hmm. gear (laughs) so um and during the pandemic i started just buying stuff because uh, other people were buying it. So I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, I'll try this. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I guess, like, I haven't read it myself, but I hear a lot of people really like um, Yuri and Tara's book. Yeah, it's a phenomenal book. Uh, voiceover, voice actor, mm-hmm. I think it's called. And um, is that what it's called? Voice, uh, voiceover, voice... voice actor, I believe, is it? And it's the second okay. edition. I okay. believe they just came out with a new one in the, I don't know how many years, but the, a newer yeah, version came out, hear... yeah. I, I probably will read it at some point, mm-hmm. but um, I hear that's like just a huge fountain of knowledge and they're both like super nice people yeah. and um, just have such a body of work that I would absolutely trust everything they say. So I think that would be, if you're on a budget, maybe uh, a very nice gift because voiceover equipment gets pretty expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so. Here's a Neumann TLM 103, $1,000 oh, later. <laughs> um, so that, I would say that, or like maybe even a nice pair of headphones. Like I think headphones are pretty... Uh, crucial Heck yeah um, like having a good pair so um i just bought a new pair i i'd been using the the bear dynamics yep that's... which i said that's what you're in yeah i swear like i swear by those mm. but i um am someone who forgets my adapter a lot because ah. i use them for like normal use too i just bought these headphones that somebody recommended because they were on black friday sale and i think they're also on sale for the holidays but um they're o- odio odio O-D-I-O, O-D-I-O, I believe. And they have a cable, um, I think, depending on what you buy, because you can buy a Bluetooth okay. version, or you could buy a Bluetooth and a wired version, or just a wired version. And the wire has a cable that has the like normal, like everyday use plug-in, mm-hmm. and then the quarter inch. Mm. And it's they're on both sides, so depending on how you're using it, if you're using it for everyday, you just plug the quarter inch into the headset, or the headphones, yeah. and then if you're using it for studio, you plug in the uh, everyday use one, which I can't remember what inch it is. Quarter or inch and th- uh, uh, f- uh, yeah, whatever yeah. it's called. But you know, everybody yeah. knows what I'm talking 3. about. Three point five sure. millimeters. You plug yeah. that one in, and you can lock it. 
Um, so it doesn't like come out or anything. And then you use the quarter inch in like whatever preamp huh. that you're using. That's brilliant. So I'm like, that's super smart. And I don't think they were more than a hundred dollars. And the quality is great. I think again, I'm not like a tech head or anything, but hey, I think they sound great. Listen, if you're signing off on them, I think a lot of people here would, would trust your judgment. Yeah. And I, and that's honestly <laughs> a brilliant thing. Like that, that's actually yeah. kind of like a perfect gift idea. Someone who might want to use studio headphones and also might want to use them for like everyday uh, uh, iPod or whatever, you know, other use, like mm-hmm. having that multifunction. I'm surprised that there's not more companies that are not making yeah. products like that. That's kind of brilliant. Exactly. Um, that's fantastic. All right. I mean, listen, Erica, I I've taken up so much of your time here. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> we end all of our episodes asking this, and we've already talked about so many, but um, as is the nature of this show, we call it the points of experience by talking to people and the experiences they've had, and hopefully through talking about those, they incite other people to say, hey, I like that, or I like this, or I should do something similar. Is there an experience that you've had in your life, whether professional or in your personal life, that had an impact on you or something you went through that taught something about yourself or, you know, getting an animal or buying a certain pair of shoes or any sort of experience that stands out amongst the millions and hundreds that you've probably had in your life that you're like, yeah, sharing this might have an impact on somebody's life. Oh, um, I mean, if you are able to get a pet, I would say get a pet because having cats now, as I I had cats when I was younger, but um, having cats now in my adult life, my independent adult life um, has been like, absolute like godsend for me because i just it's just easy to just curl up with an animal if your animal is that type of Mm -hmm. animal when you're just having a bad day or whatever or they just like i feel like they really do have a sense of like when you're not feeling well and they just come up to you and they're like even if it's mainly for their own benefit (laughs) of like being pet and whatever they still know i think and they they they're like well i'm here if you want to pet me and i know you do so um yeah my cats i have two cats they're brother and sister um an orange tabby and a gray tabby Mm. and they're just so cute and i post pictures of them every so often and i could not live without them so um if you have the ability and are not allergic and they're pets certain pets that you can get if you're allergic i believe um i would say get a pet any kind of pet um that brings you comfort i concur specifically with cats i mean i have four and just oh my god yeah it's 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 crazy house i also have a bunny here that i'm fostering so animals are huge part of my life and i have one cat who uh his name is jorah from game of thrones sir jorah mormon and uh he's he, he is the sweetest cat I've ever had. Like he curls up on you. He sometimes he I wake up going because oh, oh, he's sprawled across my neck, and he's also at the same time one of the most vicious cats too. So like if you move the wrong way, like while he's loving on you, or you look at him too long, he like he, he has like a, an insanity moment where he's like, "What are you doing? Don't look at me!" And he like bites you all over and scratches you. So oh it's that combination of absolute love and affection but it's like it's on his terms like don't you don't get involved it's a one-way love but it's it's i still again i you know like you said you're sick or you're laying in bed and they just love on you it's healing it's amazing Um, it really is but erica thank you so much for doing this it's been a pleasure to get to know you better i I, like i've said i've been a huge fan of your work i think you are one of the most inspiring performers of this generation right now some of your work has been 
absolutely influential in my life. I mean, uh, I I have multiple pieces of apparel of Hunter Hunter. It's like that's one of my favorite <laughs> shows of all time. So seriously, Aww. thank you. It means a lot to me for you coming thank on the you. show. Thanks for having me. Oh my, honestly, seriously, uh, we've had we have to fit round out. We got to have uh, Erica. Uh, and and Matt Mercer because we've had Christina already and we'll have the the, oh, the, yeah. the quad of you guys good. on that show. But yeah. um, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Honestly, thank you. I appreciate. All right, it. have a great one, Erica. If we've ever had an episode where I I've sat and reflected and I'm like, can you just let go and can it be that easy? Can you just trust yourself and trust the process it, it has been this episode where Erica just seems like I know that she probably has all the same insecurities and, and cares and concerns about this profession but it doesn't seem like it's life or death and I feel like that's a very important part of the process where I've often confused and I think many people do breaking into an industry or making a name for yourself can only be done by blood, sweat, and tears. And yes, that is very true for me. I've worked very hard and a lot of people too to pave away for themselves. But it seems like trusting the process and trusting yourself and trusting your skill set and doing the task that's in front of you seems to be what has led her to a lot of her success. Again, I'm not, I'm not here to ask her that even though we kind of talked about it. But as I've reflected, I've just like, I want to take more of that on myself. It seems super healthy. (laughs) It seems way more beneficial to allow yourself to get engrossed in the process of things rather than being like, I have to do this. Like I was talking about banging my head against the wall. Probably way more enjoyable too. And that's kind of the coolest part about this job is recognizing what you're doing and the fact that she still has that surreal reality that she's doing this is what I hope to hold on to and I think a lot of other people can lose sight of as you get wrapped up in the business of things and how much money am I making and how successful am I and have I been in this title or this title and you can have those wants but they should never be at the top of the priority list and that's something I've really just kind of doing this episode um, I idolized yeah idolized again another performer who just really had a really big impact on me and she does such great work so again another great episode thank y'all make sure you like subscribe do all that stuff leave the reviews on apple and spotify that really means a lot five stars four stars three whatever you think it's worth um yeah so much fun thank y'all for hanging around you guys mean the world to me that's another episode of the points of experience podcast and we will see you all on the next one